On the show, the greatest of all time. No, not Tom Brady. The Aussie GOAT, Andrew Gaze, joins us. We've got two roots this week. No, I'm talking about the segment. And one could be the best we've ever heard. <laughs> and guess who won the bloody showdown? Oh, my oh. goodness. That's next on the Press Box. Ah, yes. Welcome to the Press Box. Jeez, we're flying. We're up and about on a Wednesday night for your Thursday and the rest of the week. Hopefully, you're having a good week. Sam Tugwell here. I've got Jace Kemp alongside me and Jack Hudson. No Dale Fletcher today. Boys, welcome along. Oh, and how good does it feel? Oh. How good? <laughs> it just feels so good. Bask in the glory, relief, and God knows what other feeling. Oh. Let's go. Another one in the book, Tuggers. <laughs> the drought continues. Yeah, look, it's been a tough week for mine. My club can't do anything right. <laughs> yeah, they are in a tough spot, but uh, we will move on at some stage. But we do have to touch on the showdown. We have a very special guest tonight, as we mentioned there, Andrew Gaze, Boomer Star, as they call him, the Goat. He will join us a little bit later on in the show. One of the greatest yarns in Root of the Week history oh, this week. Oh, mate, you, you brought some good gear to the table this week, Jason. I can't wait for this segment either. It's my favourite. It's always my favourite, oh. besides pass or fast, but this one, this one is special. And Dale's on here, so Jack Hudson is going to take over the pass or fast whiteboard, which is going to be a bit of fun. And Jace has got a story to break, by the way, mm-hmm. some point during the show, so we'll get to that as well. But yes, unfortunately, the inevitable has come. I've had to sit here in the same room with you two blokes <laughs> after a showdown result, which was looking really good for me for a while there, and and then it just turned sour right at the end. The better team, I think, won. Tuggers, I'll give you a bit of a sledge to get off the show. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> we kicked a goal and a half and still won. <laughs> that was uh, that was a really rubbish game of football, but oh. a thoroughly good contest. Mm. Like, there was no real movement to really move freely. And obviously the Crows played like they had something to prove. And fans were going ballistic. Mm. And uh, the sweet sound of silence at the end of the game <laughs> was... Uh, oh. Beautiful. If only the Crows could bring that sort of pressure every week. It didn't. It, the whole game, it looked like Port players just didn't have any time, mm. and th- and that's because they didn't. Because mm. the Crows brought it. Every single player on that list came there for a fight, and and. I tell you what, they almost won. And if it wasn't for a couple of crucial plays mm. right at the death, the Crows could have walked away easily with a showdown win. It was one of those strange ones where, because it was divided, a, a, a differentiated by a goal, mm. you sort of felt like the Crows were never expected to get that close. In fact, what, what did we tip last week? I reckon we all tipped about five to eight plus goals. I said seven goals. Yeah, so we were all around that like blowout mark, which mm. most people would have been, and so were the bookies. So for the Crows to be leading for most of the game, it was it was kind of a shock. And then for them to actually get within a goal at the end result was also a shock. And regardless of the result, I think Crows fans walked away rather happy, which is weird for a loss in a showdown. And I've never felt this way, but it's, it's like both teams walked away happy with the result. It was a strange game. It was a very strange game. I wouldn't say I was exactly overly pleased, but I, I tell you what, there was actually no better way to win a showdown than having you guys, underdogs, <laughs> rough as all hell week, leading the whole game, and then we just pee at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> I spoke to uh, Tom Rockliffe today, and um, or yesterday if you're listening to this, and he said that Kenny gave them an absolute bake oh, at halftime. Yeah. He said it was one of the best sprays he'd ever heard. Yeah. And so for for Kenny to give him you know, a, a really you know big rev up coming into a... Uh, well, clearly it worked. Yeah. Clearly, you know, it, it looked like they were gone for all money. Did you find out what was said in the bake? Like, off the record? I heard or? that it was a, a fair bit. I don't know. He, he, he didn't tell me directly, yeah. but he said there was a fair bit of uh, uh, finger pointing. Yeah, right. And, yeah. That's and always he really good. got stuck into a few of them. That oh. always works. You, you can probably repeat it, but you just have to have a sensor just going through the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, 
well well deserved bake too. Oh, yeah. geez, eleven was- points to half time. Yeah, like uh, I think uh, I can't remember if I read this correctly. I think it's Port Adelaide's lowest half time score of all time. Uh, I think it was something along those lines. Probably close. it was. It was one of the more like low numbers. I'd have to it look was that one up. Five is what is what they had. Yeah, so it was a, it was a terrible score. I'll, I'll double check it, but it was one of the lowest. And it just it, you looked at that and went, "Wow!" Like, is this really how is it how good the Crows are at this point in time, or is it how bad Port Adelaide are? And I felt like it was maybe a combination. It was a lot. Look, realistically, if we were playing against a better side, we'd be in ten goals down because the amount of chances the Crows mm-hmm. had in that first half was absurd. Yeah. And then even at the start of the third quarter, Port had their own chances and then were just stuffing them up. And it was just an incredibly frustrating game. Mm. I felt three-quarter time I was actually relatively confident and until then Tom Lynch kicked that goal and was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wonder how big of a factor um, playing all those games at Marvel, you know, yeah. had an impact on them, mm. you know, coming out and being sluggish on, on a, a pretty slippery Adelaide Oval. Yeah. that's The, the, the change in venue and... and- I mean, they'll play on venues that are different for a couple of weeks to the ones later in every season, but it, it did seem like it, it, they were thrown a little bit at the start, didn't they? And it was just like a strange build-up because Adelaide had an emotional build-up mm. um, for, for a couple of days going in. And I'm sure, being the emotional guy that Nixie is, he would have probably used that Um I tried asking Mickey Godden that on the Sunday roast the day after, and he didn't really, he didn't bite. Mm. But that made me think that maybe the club just didn't want to talk about that side of things. But I felt like that was definitely an element of, of, of oh, I don't know, of inspiration for the team. They went, look, we've had a crap week. We've had an awful, awful week, maybe one of the lowest weeks the club's ever had. And they have to play a showdown. Which is emotionally driven. Mm. Like you got to use it. You had to use it. It's like when you're playing amateur footy and um, and you're the you know one of the top sides and you're playing a bottom side mm. and you have this mindset of oh we'll just we'll rock up and we'll just roll these blokes today. Mm. These guys are no good. Haven't got much to play for. End of the season. You know this should be a pretty walk in the park. And then you've got the bottom side like the Crows and saying you know we've like you mentioned we've had a pretty tough week. We can be galvanised here as a group if we go out there and hit these blokes hard mm. and really shake them up at the start and and see. What what happens and, and it worked for him and, and, and that's exactly what happened the little guys can all and, and on that like I remember going back to the 2005 Ashes um, when England beat Australia which was completely like un, uh, unexpected over in uh, in England and it was the all time series because England came out and played like Australia and they said well let's bowl bounces yeah. let's hurt these guys because they're human too and we don't care how often they've beaten us for 20 years straight. If we bowl fast and we hit them in the body, it hurts them too. And so let's do that. And the Crows kind of just went, well, bugger this. We're 22 blokes that want to come out and play a hard game of footy and we'll take Port Adelaide. We don't care where they are on the ladder. There's 22 blokes out there that we can hurt. And they went out there and pressured them and made it really hard for them. And they were doing a great job for half a footy. But the class and the cream did rise to the top eventually. It should um, should really be the mindset of every club though. Like mm. saying, okay, who cares? Here's where we are on the ladder. Like, and this is one of the most strange, even AFL seasons in a long time. Like, Honestly, that was the perfect storm for Port. <clears throat> and they went on to win that. So mm. now they just have to beat Carlton this week, which very likely. <laughs> yeah. um, Carlton's in all sorts. And then they're safe in the top four. With a spot. Amazing. And they could finish top two. Well, they could finish top two. They're level, aren't they equal, I think, at the moment with Geelong and the Western Bulldogs? They are. So, And it comes down to Geelong play Melbourne the final round and Port play the Western Bulldogs. So it's very much Port win these next two games. They will finish top two. Could they finish top? 
Uh, I think something needs to happen. I think percentage Ge- wise, I don't percentage think is going to yeah. be tough. Is that the issue? I yeah. Think yeah, because Geelong and play- Melbourne play each other, I think one of those have to drop. Yeah, so, and then right. the other wins in the final round. Meanwhile, Melbourne's facing, I think, their most winningest season all time. I think as well at the moment, which is remarkable. Yeah, they've 15, had fifteen extensive. wins. They've had yeah. So sixteen for the year if they get another one and could go seventeen even as well. And I don't know what the what the record was eventually, but yeah, they could surpass it. And they're not exactly flying the days. No, that's the most like, crazy part. They've still got another gear to get into. Yeah, well, they started the year in that top gear and then sort of fell away. They've been mm. really inconsistent. That was the first time they've won back to get back games for like a couple of months, mm. which is not really what you want in the lead up to the finals. Well, the home final be at home though. There's yeah. some talk at the moment that it's all going to be in WA. They're going to hub yeah. all the teams for finals. Um, I've heard that the the casino has made a number of bookings through the AFL. There was rumor going around that two resorts were fully booked out. Um, so it, it could be that you know the AFL doesn't want any more interruptions with everything that's happening, the lockdowns at the moment, that they just hub the teams over there and say, well, let's do the prelim and the grand final with all the with everyone who matters, you know, here. Mm. Oh, you'd be spewing if you play West Coast. You oh. would be spewing, and I I don't want to I don't want to play West Coast. That we can't play against them at the moment. They're all they're all Brisbane, so that's going to be a very interesting thing. Imagine that you finish top two, mm. you you lose your first final, then you play West Coast at their home deck. <laughs> yeah. You'd be can you stiff. imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah, they'd be real stiff. Yeah, you would. That that's the unfortunate. Bit. Looking at uh, it even further, like the grand final, I, I couldn't be more amazed than what Gillan McLaughlin said the other week about. The, the where they should play it. And he said the integrity of the final is the most important thing. The crowds are a close second. Uh, that's a direct quote from the CEO, mm. basically stating in 2021, we're not going to do a 2020. We're not going to put the crowds first. We're going to put <laughs> we're going to put the MCG and the venue and, and what we want to do with this integrity of the MCG grand final first. I can't imagine how they could possibly do that at this rate if if mm. COVID continues just to linger in Melbourne, which it just is. It's it's on a knife edge every week. You just never know which way it's going to tip. Well, they just extended the lockdown. Like it's, it, That's right. So it's just... Well, <laughs> I can't imagine a grand final with no crowds or, or even at like a, a capacity like mm. what, 25%. Yeah, That's gross. right. Exactly. Gross. So the, the, he said, uh, in regards to the Perth grand final, this is a direct quote, our expectation is the grand final will be at the MCG, but contingencies are being discussed with all states except yeah. New South Wales. So as expected, everyone's in the conversation as they were last year, but you feel like you know, Perth, and this is my personal opinion now, Perth has to be the best yep. next best venue to replace it. It has the most capacity, yep. and it also just it it replicates the MCG beautifully, and you can get the most crowd in um, with trust. And the this far bl- out. and the weather's always bloody good. Yes, because <laughs> <laughs> here in Adelaide, you don't know whether you're going to get a twenty five percent crowd, a fifty. Yeah. You just don't know, depending on the COVID, because we are a bit up and down with our mm. uh, with the way we do restrictions. But in Perth, they are like open up. Like but- we are, we are so strict. You can. Allow that they have full capacity this weekend for the derby yep so like it's pretty straightforward i'd mm. think have the finals over there and that is an amazing stadium mm. it can do amazing things whether they do it twilight who knows i just hope it's not night like it was yeah i think so i, I you know i think so as well um i spoke to maddie burgess maddie burgess has actually been over to, to opta stadium best over teammates there, best teammates and he says it's incredible the, mm. the way that they've laid it out the way that you can go up there and have it they've got obviously balcony bars and things similar to like we've got at adelaide oval on yep. the eastern stand but he reckons it's just superb sitting out there having a drink overlooking all of perth he yeah. said it's one of the one of the great um stadiums in this country they, the way they did um dream time at the yeah well oh, that was 
not the MCG. That was but a- imagine what they do with the grand final. Yes. Like, how good did the Gabba do it? And considering the Gabba's a worn, run-down old ground, mm. the, the Optus Stadium would blow it out of the park with the lights and, and, the, and the ability to, to use their big stands and the full crowd. Like, it would just be an electric atmosphere. Jack, how do we get tickets? Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I was thinking this on the way in. I'm just like... I'm thinking as well. We've been playing at Marvel the past few weeks. We've got the Bulldogs in the final round at Marvel. Mm. Oh. You were daring to dream. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to get more optimistic, and I don't know why I should after we kick one goal and a half of football, yep. but I don't know. Just a funny feeling. Like Everyone's sort of faltering at weird spots. We've, we've beaten all the other sides that yep. aren't as yep. good, and we haven't beaten the better sides, but... We saw what we did with Geelong last year. Mm. We've lost the exact same fashion in games last year as we did this year, and we were one kick out of a grand final. Yeah, mm. and it's funny you mentioned that, Jack, because Tom Rockliffe reckons that they are a better side this year with a Lear Lear mm. in that back line, you know, and with their guns all starting to, to perform now um, and all coming back at the right time that they mm. were in that um, prelim final where they lost by a kick. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, well, Rowie said this week, interestingly, something about how he now thinks Port Adelaide are one of the sleeping giants. He, mm. After that showdown result, he was actually a little bit more surprised with what Port Adelaide can muster up and could be one of the teams, one of the hot favourites now, which I always I feel like we everybody gets sucked into the Port Adelaide beats a, a little team who, you know, maybe turns up and, and then they find a way to win and, and that, that courage it takes for a team to win a game of footy I feel like we get lulled into that a little bit I don't know about you guys but uh, it's interesting how all year that's been the storyline of Port win against little teams and they get done by the big teams and they go from being hot favourites to no longer being trustworthy and mm. maybe not good enough I find that narrative so interesting when is Port at its most damaging and that is when it's not trusted because it flies under the radar why aren't the Bulldogs being questioned mm. why aren't Melbourne being questioned why aren't Geelong being questioned Geelong is a oh man Geelong's a funny one isn't it mm. so they the went they, yeah I know well, they a went, very understrength giants well the, the 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 Cats went 12 weeks I think it was playing against about 10 teams that were below them or out of the 8 like mm. just about every out of the 8 team and they smashed them all mm. and they only lost I reckon one or two games along that way and they were only against good teams. And it was like, oh, wow, we saw this streak and thought Geelong were just incredible. But really, they were just smashing little teams and no one noticed. Mm. And they were there they were just cruising in the top two. Like, it's funny, the Cats. I don't know where to put them either. Well, with Jeremy Cameron in the side, they're a lot more dangerous. Mm. And he's been missing for a little bit with injury. But I don't know. I can't trust them because they are older. I think if they don't win it this year, they will not win it again for a while. I think we said that last year yeah, too, that, but they just continue to recruit. It's funny, isn't it? They're going to fall off the face of the earth eventually. That yeah, side that's right. is getting old. Mm. So I don't, I don't know who to pick. I think in two weeks' time we'll know. If mm. Port Adelaide beats the Bulldogs in the last round of the season, I think they automatically become the flag favourites. Wow. I, 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 re- wow. I really do. That's I really do. <laughs> <laughs> now you're putting the, the jinx on them. You know, they're, they're sitting second at the moment. Port Adelaide do it. I, I, think, I think they'll be the ones to beat. I lo- hey, you know what happens when Dale's not here? Jace takes Dale's chair and just the big takes start coming out. I like it. Um, now, Jace, you also said, just quickly touching on the Crows before we move on, yes. you said a few weeks back that they would be good enough to play finals I next did. year. I knew this would come up and I still believe it. Do you still I believe, still it? believe it? I still believe it. I still believe that they are... They're going through a rough patch at the moment, and and you and you have to forgive them, you know, somewhat because of what's happened. Mm. But I still feel like if they bring their best and they, they get another year under their belt, another preseason for those young kids coming through. Mm. Tell you what, Harry Schoenberg, 
He's oh, going to be mate. some sort of player, isn't yeah. he? So you've got someone like him coming through. You've got Riley Thilthorpe, who's going to be a star. Mm. And you've got some of those really good players. I swear, that they are going to play finals. Mm. Okay. They might scrape in next year, but, but it's on the horizon. It's on the horizon. Um. So what's the potential, right? So, so our reading at the moment is that, and I might even just pose this question generally. So- Tom Lynch is gone. Yep. He's not going to play on next year, not offered a contract. Sloaney's coming toward the back end of his career. Is he really at his best even this year? Mm, not no. quite. Can he continue to play good footy next year or will he stay in that state? Who knows? I'm just going to assume he's he's getting older and isn't going to get any better than yep. he was. Taylor Walker, does he play on next year? Just a yes or no. Do you get what? Where does our gut sit with him? Because if you lose all three... That's a lot of big pillars gone. I think he will. I think he will. I think he'll he'll um he'll earn back the respect that he's lost. Um, there's a long there's a long there's a lot of water to go under the bridge between now yep. and and the, and the end of preseason, so before round one next season. Mm-hmm. So I think I think he will, and it's just going to be it's going to be a hard road for him. You know, he's, he's unfortunately he's hurt a lot of people through the last week, and and it's it's going to be tough. But you know, he can do it, and and we've seen people come back and 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 play well, and and. You know, I, I, my thoughts are with him because he's Absolutely. a shattered man as well. Um, and my thoughts are with Robbie Young and the Indigenous community mm. because, you know, you he, yeah, you hear what's what was said and it's just awful. Yeah. It's really awful. So, I think you know if he's able to get back in that side, if he's able to find a little bit of the form he's had this season, on top of you know, like we mentioned, Himmelberg's playing well oh, too. Yeah, come you on, know, Riley Thilthorpe. Um, geez, oh, I want Darcy Fogarty to. to oh, really, so do I. I, want, I really yeah. want him to rip one apart. Yeah. Because he needs to, he's got so much potential. You just see the potential, and he's a, as soon as he gets the ball in his hands, he's a straight shooter. Like, yeah. you want the ball in his hands, he just yep. needs to, they need to be able to find him well, more. Once Tex goes, and so here's my take, and I'll get yours, Jack. It's I get the read that the Crows don't need one more year of old man Tex because what are you going to get? Yeah, you get a 50 50 look at maybe him producing what he has done again this year. And what does that do for a team that's rebuilding? Now, yes, you lose a leader and, and, a, and a staple of your club and one of your pillars. That's going to be a huge hit, especially taking away Lynch as well out of that forward line. So there's two of their key pillars gone. But what it does is exposes exactly what you just said. People like Thilthorpe and Fogarty into the roles they actually need to be in in order to learn to be the future of the club in the forward line. That's So my gut re- read is right now that Taylor won't play next year. It's only going to hurt the recruiting process, I think, in the future maybe for the club um, in terms of Indigenous players and and that morale. Maybe if he comes back better and stronger, I hope he does and we all wish for the best for him. But at the same time, it's a business decision and, and football is a business and I think they would be smarter throwing away that that risk of playing an old man of Taylor Walker's ilk for one more year just to fulfill a contract that they offered him a bit romantically perhaps um, than actually trying to move this club forward in a way that they really shouldn't uphold some values. The other interesting one is Matty Crouch. There's a lot of talk that he could potentially move. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, how do you replace well, that's an, right. an Australian midfielder? Hey, you know, he didn't play this season and, and you're talking about Sloaney. He's he's mm. obviously almost a like for, not a like for like, but he's, a, you know, he's an inside midfielder. Mm. Who we'll sort of floats on the outside a little bit, yeah. but um, yeah, so he could come in and fill a fill a role that sort of Sloney leaves behind. Um, but if you lose him as well, then then maybe yeah, maybe that they need to bring in someone with a bit of class and a bit, a bit of touch as well. Yeah, yeah, I think Tex has to go for this club to move forward. Mm. So um, Lynch going. What about Daniel Talia? That's another one. I, yeah. I think I think he goes, and the Crows can get what they need for him. Um, Matt Crouch, let him go to free agency. Mm. Just. 
keep resetting that list yep. and get the new guys in and forget about all the past because yep. that last week is a significant setback. Mm. That is a massive, massive, massive setback for what the Crows are trying to do. Mm. And I think they just need to go, nah, enough's enough. Time time to just move forward in a, in a new era. It, it will be a new era at the club. They've got new board members. They've got new uh, CEO. They've got just about new players everywhere. So it's, it's a completely refreshed club now, isn't it? It needs to be, um, especially just after everything that's happened in the past mm. few years, ever since that um, day in September against Richmond. I think what's really stuck out over the last week is how impressive Matthew Nix has been. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. His emotion, and we get to see it because I see it in press conferences, his care and love for those players and the emotion that was brought out through all of this hurt has been um, uh, incredible to watch and I think he's he is by far the right man for this job to lead that new culture going forward and that's why he was so broken in that press conference mm. because for the last two years all he's been wanting to do is reset that culture of that club mm. and and in one phrase it's all been brought undone and that's why he was crushed by it. I, I, I think I'm, I believe that Nick's used to uh, be roommates with Michael yep. O'Loughlin at he Sydney. Did. So they were really close. And so he's got a, a really close relationship with Indigenous players. Mm. And you can tell that he was just completely shattered by this whole thing. So maybe you are right in, in, in this, Jack, by saying that maybe they just need to wipe the slate clean mm. and, and, and move on. But I... You know, one thing is for sure, Matthew Nix is the right person. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, I'm fully on board the, the, the Nix train in hope that it can take us to that land of promise, which is um, hopefully top eight as soon as possible with, with a brand new list, which is which is looking like it's going to flourish quicker than we think. And, and I hope you're right, Jace, that they can make finals next year. Let's just hope, fingers <laughs> crossed. But uh, speaking of um, new horizons for the club, just a quick one. I heard this today, and this is sounding um, very, very solid solid, by the way, as well, Ooh. is the, the new um, HQ at the Adelaide Football Club. Now, there's talk around, and this is, and I'm saying like this is pretty solid. There's a Melbourne um, construction and building company who are interested in buying the Brompton Gasworks site here in Adelaide. So, they will, uh, and we are expecting them to purchase the land off the state government. Um, don't know what the time frame will be, but they are expected to purchase it. And the Crows will then lease it off them for whatever the 99 years, sort of the, the max lease yeah, that yeah, they can yeah. sort of do. They'll lease it off this company. And in turn, this company will buy the baseball team off the Crows. Oh. Now, if that's legit, like that, that's a pretty outstanding move by the Crows. And that could ha- and that could happen probably in the next six months. Haven't the Crows already sold their baseball team? That, no, so I think they're parting ways, but I don't know if they've oh. completely sold them just yet. So they're still in the works of how so to we, how to sell it off. They're we're looking to sell it off. Uh, my my uh, my brain is trying to work out the maps on this thing. Where yeah. whereabouts is the the Brompton? So so Brompton Brompton's just up at the yeah. uh, entertainment center. Yeah, we're about to, like, is it on Port Road? Is it on? Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, you're not across that. No, I don't, no, the Brom- no, no. What's it called? The Brompton. A, yeah, the Brompton Gasworks. Site. Gasworks. No, yeah, yeah. Not, so yeah. That, that's the new um, potential HQ site, and mm. it was is just it a matter of the land is big, and there's enough space to do a lot of stuff, and it's just is it going to be too expensive for the club to pay for? They are currently paying off debt um, with their with their bank sponsor, I think Bendigo Bank or something or other. So that they're still doing a lot of work through their COVID um, their COVID is, hit. Is enough room for two over? I don't know if there's two ovals worth. There's probably one. Yeah, right. So uh, if this all comes off, this would be a massive coup for the Crows. So let's just put that in your back pocket. We set it here on the press box. So what's that? The 11th of August? Oh, we're going to replay it when it comes to I hope it happens. I would love to see the Crows come close to town. All right. um, Jace has 
Got a little bit of news for us this week. Yeah, well, it was actually broken on Channel 10 on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It was the Aussie side has flown in from Bangladesh and now here in Adelaide. Yep. They're actually at quarantining at the Playford Hotel. They're, oh. It's interesting because mm. not many people knew about this. No. Um, but the reason they're here in Adelaide is because they assumed or they've been trying to get an exemption so that they can train after three days of doing some isolation yeah, right. or return a negative test and then they can set up a corridor like a um, like a safe corridor where yep. they can go to Adelaide Oval uh, a sterile corridor where they That's can go the to uh, Adelaide Oval and they can train that they, they basically go in small groups so they don't um, make contact with anyone mm. and then they go back to their hotel to continue quarantining yeah. um, at the moment those exemptions haven't come through oh, so, no. so, they're, so they're here so they're here thinking that they are hope, you know, hoping that they can train mm. but now they're kind of faced with the reality that they might not be able to oh, and no. have to sit on their hands for 14 days wow that's a, that's a massive yarn you gotta love SA Health eh? <laughs> oh. so they're blocking out our Olympians from being able to come back to SA via Sydney at the moment and that's all playing out which is just they're gonna have to do two lots of 14 days quarantine which is awful our cricketers our national cricketers have been overseas for what a month and a half yeah, now I think almost two months West Indies and Bangladesh they're gonna come back and uh, not be able to train I mean SA Health far out they've they're a, they're a thorn in everyone's backside at the moment, aren't they? So it looks yep. like it looks like yeah, there a lot of work's being done behind the scenes from what they've been telling me today. So yeah, interesting. They, they, you know, how long's the World Cup away? How far is that away? Not uh, November, I think. Yeah. So oh, that's boy. only a couple of months. So that you know, the fast bowlers would want to be uh, trying to move about, and you know, mm. two weeks sitting in a hotel is, isn't much use for them. Yeah, well, in fact, I think it's even like, October. It's so October, it's, yeah, yeah. it is October into yeah. November. So yeah, it's it's only a month and a half, two months away, which is remarkable. Only, so only so many. Um, Balls you can bowl at a hotel ball. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it'll shadow bad if you're Steve Smith. <laughs> yes. What about what? Just quickly, I don't know if you saw the scores over the over the last Ooh. month, but I mean, Australia Ooh. losing to Bangladesh four one, and losing to the um, West Indies four one about a month ago. Like. That's deplorable. Are we in a, a massive decline at the moment? What's going on? There are some serious alarm bells that I, I feel are not going off loud enough at the moment. Is it because we've lost eight of the last ten T20s, and that's not going back and looking at even even more games and series before that? Like that, that's just the most recent month and a half. Is it our best team? Going over there? No, look, that that's the argument a lot of people are saying is, well, put Paddy Cummins back in there, put Steve Smith and put Dave Warner back in there and you're all sweet. But then you go, well, we can't keep relying on the same two to three guys to win us games every time we go out there. How bad's our depth if we can't remove one or two and replace them with something just as good? Yeah. No, it's when, a- when Australia used to be a powerhouse and just about everything, it's, a, it's, it's, it's getting to a point where it's probably a worry. Yeah, I think probably just... Cricket juniors probably is just declining. I mm. think no one wants to give up their entire bloody Saturday for six hours. <laughs> yeah. I do. Um, well, <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Speak for yourself. That's right. Um, but it, it's one of those things where, I don't know, are we, are we panicking enough? We've got the Ashes coming up and we, we just expect to turn up and be these fierce Mitchell Johnson-like players who are you know the strongest and, and the fastest in the world and will smash over the, the palms. But uh, we, we might even struggle in that arena too. We lost to India here on our own soil and they didn't even have Virat Kohli and, mm. and some of their best players. So, yeah, it could be it could be a grim summer ahead if we're uh, if we're, we're not careful. Maybe we are up shit creek after all. Oh, let's hope not. Come on, fingers crossed for our Aussies. All right, it's time to get to the good stuff. We have managed to track down one of the absolute stars of basketball, and uh, we spoke to him a little bit earlier. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> oh my God! Help! I was right. 
Ryan Paddy Mills, you're a bloody champion. And everyone in the hack was there. Well, we are always very blessed with great guests on the press box, but this week it's uh, it's only timely we get this man on. He's a five-time Olympian. He's a seven-time NBL MVP and a two-time champion as well of the league. He's a superstar. He's known as the GOAT. I don't know if he likes that nickname. Maybe we'll have to find out if he does. His name is Andrew Gaze, and what a week it is for the great man. Andrew Gaze, welcome to the press box. No problem. Thanks very much for having me. Mate, do you like the nickname the GOAT before we go any further? Wow. <laughs> well, I've been called a hell of a lot worse. I'll give it a <laughs> But no, I think that it's, it's just one of those things that's banded around. And it, um, I'm uh, realistic enough to know that there is uh, a few, few ahead of the queue. But um, anytime anyone wants to throw it around, uh, I appreciate it. But um, yeah, I don't, don't have too much impact. I love it. Now, uh, of course, massive week on Saturday night. One of the more memorable nights, probably of your life and many of ours around the country. The Boomers finally secured a uh, a medal at the Olympic Games, 65 long years. Now, I want to get your thoughts throughout this quick chat, if we can, around how you felt on the night because we saw your emotions over poor, but also what it just means to you overall and maybe even your family and and the rest of us in Australia because it was an amazing night. No, it was. I, I think for the entire, in particular, the, the entire basketball community, it was the fulfilment of a long, long-term goal. And um, obviously everyone was very proud of our team and those that perhaps don't follow basketball fully appreciate and recognise that any time you win a medal at the Olympic Games, it's something special. Mm. But uh, for those within the basketball community, um, it had that extra meaning, particularly for those of generations gone by that perhaps didn't have the same resources, had this goal at a time when, when realistically, that it was one that was going to take um, decades to fulfil, to finally see it come to fruition, I think, means a, a lot. And for me, growing up in, an, uh, in a family that was very much part of the development of the game, primarily because of my dad, but also his brothers and his mum had various roles in, in the sport, it took on uh, perhaps a little bit more significant. One of the reasons why I got so emotional is because I understand uh, a lot of the other things that go into building a, a uh, an environment here in Australia with, which allows for a result like this. The, the blood, sweat and tears that go into constructing uh, facilities, uh, developing competitions, how we can educate uh, everyone what basketball is about. Those types of things are, are labour-intensive and take long, long times to, to have an impact and to finally see, in particular, those that are still around that, that had that goal and had that ambition a long time ago to finally get there means a little bit extra. Gacy, what does this achievement mean for the little boys and girls sitting at home watching the Boomers perform and bring home a medal? What does it do for them, the next generation of basketballers coming through? Well, we've been really fortunate with basketball because... Our Opals have had enormous success at the Olympic Games, and I think that we've seen through their success that uh, the impact that it can have in just that 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 bottom of the pyramid. Uh, you only you only get to those types of uh, elite level performances when you've got a a really strong, fundamentally sound base to the to the sporting pyramid. Very rarely, you know, I can't think of too many where you just get a random situation where a sport can just come along and, and have elite-level success without having that yeah, that um, that pyramid in place. And I think um, what it does, is it, it, it again will inspire 
a lot of youngsters to, to pick up the game, to look at the game and, and have a, uh, a real something really tangible that they can look at to say that if you are dedicated, you are um, you do have a passion for it, then there is a pathway there within Australia that allows for this type of reward, and that is success at the highest level. So I think that, that, that it does uh, tremendous benefits for, for growing the game and, and whether it's a local council just arming and about building a new facility, um, whether it's a mum or a dad thinking about, well, what could my, my pathway be for my son or my daughter? Yeah then it, I think it really does provide a level of inspiration that can only be healthy for the game. Yeah, Casey, with the um, amount of youth um, sort of coming through and the amount of talent that we've got coming through, do you think this is the first of probably many medals for the Boomers? No. I think so. I think that if you look over the last few um, decades, or say if you go back over the last five or six uh, Olympic Games, and even prior to that, uh, the five or six before that when when... I was fortunate enough to be involved. We've been very, very close for a long period of time. And some would suggest that, well, this is, um, if it weren't for a bit of bad luck along the way, we would have already had this moment. And you get to that point sometimes where you think, well, maybe there's some sort of curse or something on us and we just can't get over the hump. But, um, but certainly we've been at the absolute pointing end for a long period of time. And when you look at our players that are competing here in Australia in our NBL, um, in the in the NBA, and also over in Europe, we've got Australian players playing at the highest level, and not just playing; they're, they're doing really, really well. So there's no reason to think why we can't continue to put ourselves in a position where we are competing for medals. And 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 realistically, as it was uh, in Tokyo, realistically, be thinking of of gold medals mm. and. When we're 15 points up halfway through the second quarter against the United States, <laughs> there's some fairly good evidence to say we're not far off it. Oh, that was one of the more challenging parts, I think, of the Olympic Games, and maybe we'll touch on that here. How that moment, maybe oh, it was a, it was a trigger moment. It was a it was a crossroad moment as well for our Boomers. They could have gone into that break really, really confident, but they let a little bit of momentum slip through at the end of the half for the Americans and from there it was they were a freight train they couldn't be stopped was there was it always inevitable they were going to come at us or was there a moment in time in that semi-final where you just felt like the the US had a grip on us and we were we were no chance yeah uh, well you're always hopeful and and I guess when you're emotionally attached like I and other former boomers and those that are, that are close to the team are you're always hopeful and and certainly when the team was 15 points up you started a dream of something very special. Uh, we always knew that the United States were going to come, and, and as we were commentating, Bogues and I were commentating during that period, it was a period when the United States, things weren't going well for them. They weren't playing well both offensively and defensively, and we were fortunate enough to, to take advantage of that. Uh, there was a timeout with about five to go, mm. five or six to go in the, in the second and from that point on, there was a noticeable change, in particular on the defensive end of the United States. And there was a feeling that, um, you know, we're going to have to do something to be able to weather this storm. But unfortunately, it wasn't the case. But, but still, I think that whether it's that game or what we saw when Australia actually beat the United States in Vegas in the pre-games tournament, there is enough indication to, uh, to and, and evidence to, to suggest that uh, on a given time, 
we are now in a position where we can cause what would still be an upset, but it's not a, a fanciful dream anymore. It's something that, that uh, yeah, certain things have to go right for us, but it's not a, something that's completely beyond our reach. Yeah, Gazi, you mentioned um, commentating as well. How much fun did you have during that time? Because <laughs> you created a lot of great moments for all of us um, back home watching. Yeah, it was great. We loved it. I love um, sitting alongside Bogues, who has a, a view on the game, and um, John Casey, who's the, the caller that's been around a long, long time. And um, to, just to, to be with those guys and hearing the different ways in which they will interpret stuff going on, uh, it was. It was it was heaps of fun and bouncing off Bogues and, and um, uh, you know, some of the lighthearted moments along the way as well. And uh, But... but you really enjoy. I really enjoy the um, the strategy of the game as well, and the way in which you see with the different teams the way they go about it. So uh, you know, it's heaps of fun, and, and hopefully people enjoyed it. And we we sort of commentated, I guess, uh, selfishly because it's the things that we're focusing on. But hopefully um, there there is some enjoyment, and we enhance the game and and try not to detract from it that's for sure <laughs> certainly did and um, the big screen as well what was it like watching the mm. game on those sorts of screens well before you go on with this question <laughs> Dale who's not here he's sick at the moment and he'll be listening to this right now yes. he likes to call it the caravan yeah. <laughs> when 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 the NBL commentators commentate games from uh, away from the actual yeah. court itself he calls it the caravan what was it actually like calling the games from a big screen well, we were in these little uh, cubicles. They were, um, they kind of look like in the studios at Docklands in Melbourne. Uh, there was probably, I reckon there was probably eight little, imagine, you know, storage containers? Imagine them no, fully what? kitted out with a, <laughs> they were in the venue. <laughs> they fed you in there, didn't they? They, they came and gave you food and you know, make sure you're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a two-way entry, wasn't it? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, that's right, but they were those that had special sound things added to them, and um, they like like um, maybe that's a bit extreme, but maybe if you imagine caravans just playing caravans in this in this hub, and um, we'd go in there, and and yeah, there was a couple of monitors, but it wasn't overly sophisticated. It had exactly what you need. You could there was a monitor that you could watch the game, and and then of course there was. Um, statistical data that was presented that on occasions, we had a couple occasions where it, uh, it was a bit delayed, so that made it a, a bit of a challenge, but um, but yeah, it wasn't overly sophisticated. Where the real super-duper technology kicked in is on the other side of where those little caravan areas are, was the main studio, and they had that massive wall screen that if you oh, saw yes. the Shinya <laughs> program that I was on, <laughs> now that was something extraordinarily special, but but I guess for, for me in particular and Kate, it was a little easier because the NBL, um, they've been broadcasting from a hub the last couple of years. It's not the same as being at the game, but it's um, but it's still it's not as difficult as what I think a lot of people um, would think. It's uh, you know you know you're in a, a quiet room and you're sort of focusing on what the, what's on the screen and not not on other things. And most of the time that's a good thing because that's what the the, the viewer is watching anyway. But, um, you know, we would love to have been there, but circumstances clearly didn't allow that to happen. And, and it was an incredible hub because we are all in that one area. So you'd be walking around the hallways and Thorpe would be there and you'd be able to touch base with him about the, <laughs> the swimming and 
So Dave Colbert's there and Bruce oh, McIverney's there to bounce off and get information about the athletics. So it was a really, really fun place to be. Now, your call team was... We, we put a little conversation into our podcast last week about the best call teams on the seven Olympic coverage because it was an out, it was an all-star lineup, you guys. And I loved how every sport had a real specialised and really high expert field um, placed in the commentary positions for each, each event, which I thought was fantastic. You got to call alongside the best, I reckon, in my opinion, basketball caller in our country, John Casey. You had yourself one of the best um, specials, and Bogues, who is new to the caper, and I must say he's outstanding. We might talk about him later, but I wanted to ask you, who out of all the other combinations would you have loved to have called with if you got a chance to call with someone? Any sort of sporting event you liked during the Olympics, who would you have loved to have sat alongside with the mic? Well, I've had the privilege of sitting alongside the great Bruce McIverney, and no matter what the sport is, he's able to find things and um, highlight certain aspects, which is a unique skill, and he can do it in so many different events, Uh, and and he's he's called so many different events. In fact, I can still remember back in the early, late 80s, early 90s, Bruce McIverney on the uh, Channel 7 coverage on a, uh, a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday night, calling a lot of the basketball uh, games no alongside alongside Bill Palmer. And um, so, so I think with Bruce and, and having worked alongside Bruce, I, I did the opening ceremony in Rio with him and I did the closing ceremony with him in, in Athens and um, just sitting uh, with him and talking track and field or... And, and how inquisitive he is about all different sports. He's one that you, you, it is a, a huge treat and an honour to be sitting alongside him. Now, Gazy, when I think of great Australian men's basketballers, I think of Andrew Bogut, I think of Luke Longley, and I think of yourself. Where does Paddy Mills <laughs> rate amongst yes. all of you? Well, well, I don't necessarily get too caught up in in rating anyone. I just appreciate them for what they've been yes. able to do, and and certainly Paddy has been extraordinary. Not just what he does on the floor, but also off the floor. The way he represent represents us uh, when he's playing in the NBA is nothing short of fantastic. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He he, I guess he has a very strong commitment to uh, making sure that Indigenous causes are front and centre with everything he does, um, but not certainly at the exclusion exclusion of the rest of the country. And I think he handles himself and contributes in so many different ways. And uh, certainly with his performances for Australia, in London, I think he was the leading scorer for the tournament, second leading scorer in Rio and um, drops... 42 in which has become the most significant basketball game in Australian basketball history. He's had a uh, an unbelievable impact on his performance, but also with the culture of the team. Mm. You see the way in which he embraces all the team, uh, brings them all together. Uh, you know, he's done some uh, a lot of things that many people wouldn't be aware of, and just very proud of the way he's been able to do it and, and um, is certainly one of the all-time greats of Australian basketball. I want to go back quickly to the uh, the TV side of things as well, Gazy, in terms of you and uh, Mari and uh, Lisa Stalaker doing a great job with the, the late night <laughs> Shinya program. Now, you look like you had a lot of fun with that. And can I be honest, a lot of people who tuned in 
absolutely loved tuning in because it was just a it was a highlight of the night. You got a lot of fun and, and you got to see the highlights of the games. But have you ever considered, surely? being a part of uh, having your own TV show of some sort, mate, because you are a star. <laughs> no, no I, it's funny because um, with that program, it was only probably three or four days before the Olympics started that I was invited to or asked to, to be a part of it. Oh. Uh, originally, the show was going to be Andy and Lisa, but because of COVID, Lisa lives in Sydney. She oh. couldn't get down to Melbourne, and they thought, well, just Andy there with Lisa on the, the screen may not have been, be enough. And uh, I've been around a while, so I appreciate where I sit in the hierarchy of things. And <laughs> clearly when you're getting the call three or four days before the uh, the show's supposed to start... There was probably a few others that said no before me. So I might have been down the list a little bit. I don't know. Uh, I might have just been just one of those quirky things. But but um, but no, it was it was great. The people at Channel Seven uh, really made us feel comfortable and and, and gave us uh, a very sort of broad overview of what how they wanted the show to look and pretty much left left us to our own devices. You know, it was one that was going to be on after most of the events had finished and. They wanted to be uh, able to to show some of the highlights, but also present it in a way that was less structured and less official. So mm. I think we I think we ticked those boxes. Oh, yeah. Um, and and you know we along the way we tried to not take ourselves too seriously and have a bit of fun. And and it was always hard for Lisa, and it took a, probably I think a, a few nights for us to get familiar with how in which we interact with her because when you got someone on a screen there it's not easy yeah. when you got two right there um, you know that, that, that have that contact so it was a little hard but I think we found the mix and I really appreciate the feedback because it, it was um, you know it's one of those ones that you, you never really know but uh, but certainly we, um, we we got some nice nice feedback off social media and it was a uh, it was a fun program to be involved in. Now, Gazy, some of our listeners might actually know you from The Bounce. What's it like oh. working alongside Jason Dunstall? <laughs> yeah. And it's a completely uh, a different topic and, and different sport. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, we, we operate under the guise of a football show, but it's really um, <laughs> just uh, four blokes having a chat, uh, having some fun and really looking at the lighter side and taking the mickey out of things that are going on. And, you know... Um, Right throughout the country, uh, AFL is is undoubtedly one of the premier sports in in our country, and it's one that uh, there are. It is a pretty dissected and looked at in a very serious manner. And after you've had all the games, the theory behind it is after all the games and all the serious stuff on a Sunday night, um, before they get into the to the reviews that go on throughout the week, that it's it's pitched to being lighthearted, take the Mickey out of it, and have some fun. And for me, uh, I'm a Hawth- I grew up a Hawthorne fan and uh, was an incredible admirer of, of Jason Dunstall. And uh, to be able to sit alongside one of the all-time great AFL players, and in particular a Hawthorne player, it's a I always it's a huge honour. And um, you know the other guys on there are great as well, superstars of the game. And it's just uh, I, we just have a bit of fun, and we um, the, the objective is is to try and take the P155 out of as many people as we can, <laughs> and in particular up, yeah. ourselves. So, um, so yeah, it's been going, I think it's been going about 12 years now. So it's a long, long time. I've been fortunate enough to be there nine or ten years. So it's 
it's a little unusual in in television to have shows go that long. But um, but yeah, we're lucky that it's got a a, a good fan base and and we have fun and we really enjoy ourselves. Now, Gazy, on Bounce, um, I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day who um, brought up your name and they only recognised you as a footy personality. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So how do you feel about that and just being recognised as now a footy personality rather than for your basketball? Well, I guess it comes back to uh, what we were talking about before in regards to the position of basketball and the status of basketball because 11 years ago, I remember I was on a show called Dancing with the Stars. And that was back in uh, 2006, I think it was, or 2007. I'd been out of the game for about two years. And I still remember, and, you know, that's a show at the time was being watched by 1.2, 1.3 million people every week. (laughs) So I remember at the time walking through the streets and, um, you know, you think, well, you've been around, you've been to five Olympic Games and you've you've, um, played basketball at the highest level for 40-odd years. Uh, it's always a bit of a setback when you're walking down the street and you see the the little kid with his mum and he's there and as you walk by, they say, oh, there's the goofy bloke from Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> so, so it's kind of the same with the footy that if they're not, um, acquired, not a, a, accustomed to the to the, the sport of basketball, then they might recognise you as something else. And uh, I get more people walking down the street now yelling at Oh, I'm Gazy. <laughs> <laughs> then I do with, uh, geez, there's Andrew Gazy, the, the uh, basketball Olympian. <laughs> so, but that's okay. Hopefully, through being involved in those uh, other areas, it, uh, it may actually uh, introduce others that haven't in the past to the game of basketball. Oh, we love that. Now, one of your uh, great achievements was heading to the NBA. We have to mention Paddy Mills. Uh, and his mega deal, he's heading now to the Brooklyn Nets for, what is it, $12 million, yeah, $12 million or something bucks, over yeah. two years? Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine that kind of money. Um, can you walk us through, uh, I mean, what that kind of move is going to mean for him as a player now into one of the, 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 the biggest teams in the league right, right now, one of the powerhouses? Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's And the world they live in is, is something that, us mere mortals, it's hard to uh, comprehend. But um, you talk about a me- mega deal at twelve million bucks, six million bucks a year. I actually think it's probably unders, really, for <laughs> what he yeah, what he brings to the team. Um, and and it, I, it's probably more about him um, having choices and, and maybe settling for an organisation where he feels the fit is right, and also a chance to experience another NBA title. Um, so so it is a. It's a huge um, change for him because he's been with the Spurs, I think, nine years. He was with Portland before that for a short period of time. Been with the Spurs for nine or ten years and won a title with them. So it's always a, a tough move when your contract's up. And um, But I don't know if you got to see the, the, uh, the little three-minute video tribute that the Spurs put out there on social media. No. Um, I, I'm a bit of a crier, and even that, uh, <laughs> almost just watching that sort of... I guess shows the love that they have for uh, the San Antonio Spurs have for, for Patty Mills, but he's going into a, uh, a a situation that's going to give him the chance to win another title, play alongside. He played alongside one of the all-time greats in Tim Duncan, and and um, now he's going to get to do that with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. So it's a fantastic opportunity for him, and and one that uh, he thoroughly deserves. And 
we hope it all goes well for him. I hope so too. If he can get a ring, another ring anyway, that would just be remarkable. One bloke who did win a, win a ring in the NBA and uh, an almost starred in the Last Dance documentary was Luke Longley. Now he's uh, starred in the the Australian Story on the ABC. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, Gazy, but that story I have. put together it, it's a remarkable yarn. Yeah, it is. Uh, Luke was one that uh, when he came back and finished his career. He, um, I wouldn't say he was a recluse, but he he, he wasn't, uh, he didn't want to be out there in the limelight. He, he, he was like this guy that just wanted to be left alone. And, and, and that's fair enough. That's his choice, and we 100% support him with that. But it was one that it was always uh, disappointing because he's just got such a remarkable story to tell. To be the starting centre on a team that arguably is the greatest team in the history of the game that won three NBA titles, that, that Bulls thing, is something that I don't think most people in Australia realise how significant a sporting achievement mm. that was. And I, I'm, I'm, I've heard a lot of the stories, both from Luke, and I got to play alongside Steve Kerr and, and, and certainly heard a lot of the stories about that time from from both those guys and Will Perdue is another one that was there that I've become friends with with my time over in the States as mm. well so I've heard a lot of those stories but um, but a lot of people haven't of course and The Last Dance gave a really good insight but from an Australian perspective as it was noted in that Australian story uh, doco Luke wasn't deleted from it but he certainly I don't think got the recognition that he deserved mm. for the role he played. And I'm so happy for Luke that that put this really classy um, presentation together that gives him a chance to tell about his perspective on that that uh, Chicago's bull run because it is it is a different perspective to what Michael had and Scotty had and all those other superstars. Mm. Um, but still a, a very significant one of the challenges that they faced and the journey they went on. So it's, I recommend everyone spend a couple of hours and watch it because it, uh, it's a great story about a unique guy that's done some incredible things representing us uh, in the United States. Here, here. Now, Gazy, as we mentioned before, unfortunately our man Dale Fletcher couldn't be here for this <laughs> interview, which is un- unfortunate. But yep. while he's not in the room, I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to ask you, how much did he pester you this season for NBL <laughs> tips? Because it's all he banged on about for a while. <laughs> no, we need more Dale. We need more blokes like him and people like him because um, I'm happy to be pestered when people are, have got a love for the game and are trying to. Um, put forward stories and tell stories and and uh, inform the the community of, of uh, about the league, about our national team, about anything to do with basketball. Always happy to to um, have those conversations. So I, I wish he'd pester me more um, because it, it is he's doing a great thing out there uh, help promoting our, our game. Mate, uh, we thank you so much. We've pestered you for long enough and uh, we can't wait till you're back in the cubicle or the caravan or whatever we're calling it now <laughs> on this show. Mate, uh, you did an outstanding job with Seven over the last couple of weeks. We thank you for your time tonight on the Press Box, mate. The Boomers are making history and, uh, and we're so bloody proud of them.
Uh, so, yeah, well, hopefully we all are, and uh, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Well, there you go. Andrew Gaze, uh, mate, the absolute oh, goat, boys. He's just the greatest and the best bloke as well. So we thank him very much for coming on. Dale actually teed him up uh, for that interview. Um, do you remember when we paid him out for doing those NBL season predictions? <laughs> about, Brett Maher and yeah, yeah, start of the year. Gaze. Well, that was sort of where it came. It was a bit of a, uh, if you do one thing for me, we'll do something for you. So that was a that was really good. So thanks for Gaze for coming on. A great time to have him as well let's get stuck into this oh boy and don't we have a couple of uh root of the weeks this week and i tell you what uh, this one is unbelievable the next one's even better now you wouldn't believe it in a country football game on the weekend yeah, there's not too many people that get reported well there probably is a lot of people what am i talking about <laughs> in country we're talking about the hills football league and we were talking about a, um, a game between Meadows and Kersbrook recently. And I was in the A grade and now a player from Meadows was reported because, and listen to this, oh. he continuously made derogatory comments about the size of... Of an opposition's nose. Oh no! <laughs> no. <laughs> reported, reported oh, by the umpire. Oh no! And I just want to ask you, Sam, uh, when did you start running around for oh, Meadows? Piece of- <laughs> 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 you fuck. Nice. No, I, unbelievable. I, was- I had to look at it. Uh, you know, take yeah. two looks at it. What? How many times have you had to say <laughs> this? You know, you know, you you know, when you're niggling players and that. How many times would you have had to say, how, mate, how big's your oh, snozzle? Oh, you know, how how big's your nose for the umpire to report him? He's been <laughs> that's, reported. That's a classic. That is actually pretty good. Campy, what is the best sledge you've heard on a footy field? Actually, oh, oh, oh they, they'd see, that's for another. That's that's good. <laughs> we should have a segment for that one day. I can't remember. Best now. sledges, <laughs> yeah. Best sledges. I think we should, absolutely. I get called Basil Zemplis um, by my teammates <laughs> at playing cricket, so they call me Basil. Oh, I, get, I get that. Oh, no, I got. I, uh, well, I, I used to have red boots when I was uh, young, oh. and, and one called me Puss in Boots, and I. And that, <laughs> <laughs> that set me off. That set me that off. That triggered you. Yeah. Well, did you, well, you lost it, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. Hang um, on a second. What? what? How many weeks do you reckon this bloke gets? Oh, no, oh, does it say? Can you tell us? I reckon he get. Surely you don't get more than one. Oh, he only got. It, uh, Come on. No, it doesn't. Doesn't say. No, nah, that's a shame. That's a shame. However many that bloke's so- nose was in size and in inches. The number two. It was number two for Meadows, by the way. <laughs> number two for Meadows. Oh, well, that's hilarious because my favourite number is number two. Oh, yeah, I would have worn number two. It was definitely, definitely was me. <laughs> well done on your career at Meadows. Now, Tigers. thanks. Now you did say that um, the second one is incredible. Unbelievable. Jason, uh, oh my word! This is oh sensational. A country football grand final that was decided by a point is Ooh. under review by the West Australian Football Commission. Why? Why? Because one of the goal umpires was found to be under the influence of alcohol. Oh, piss off. He <laughs> <laughs> was pissed. He was pissed. <laughs> he was oh. absolutely shit-faced. And, um, yeah, so um, the club that won, um, they actually can't celebrate. They can't. They're not allowed to celebrate what? yet because they're, they're trying to find the result of You're it. You're joking. So they, so they reckon that what scores are wrong because this bloke was pissed. <laughs> so it decided by under a point, and there was a crucial what? late shot in the game. Oh no! That he might have just stumbled over, just <laughs> fell over. He may have forgotten to use one arm and no. just gave it a point. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. No. Now, could you imagine that? Just I, I know I've been to a lot of country football grand finals. And yeah. 
Man, by the time you get the A grade, you're seeing That's you're right. seeing sixty six footies on a, a field full carnival. You've got all yeah, the grades yeah. playing. This bloke yeah. is probably stuck out through the whole lot. Yep. And as you know, have a beer at the start. We'll take it easy. Couple yep. more. Oh, and, yep. by, and by the fourth quarter of the A grade, <laughs> things are going well. He's in all sorts. <laughs> but he's probably been asked at the start of the A grade, has he got mate? Can you just do the flags for this one, mate? <laughs> he's just oh, like, mate, no, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm ten deep, but I can't do this, <laughs> mate. Mate, we got to do someone do the flags. Quick, run over there, just do the flags. And and there he is, just deciding the grand final. He's got a Tinny in one Poor hand, bloke. one flag in the other. It's like, mate, there hasn't been a score registered. Why are you flying that's, the flags? That's why it was decided. It was called a point because when he goes to put the two hands out, one's got a can in it and the other one's pointing, so it looks like a behind. It's Dude, like, come on. It's like the umpire years ago, the goal umpire. Remember when you did the two thumbs up to signify a goal? <laughs> that's right. One, I think it was in the derby yeah, years that. ago. That was a classic. But imagine oh, that. Man. Like, but if you aren't sourced by halfway through a B, the B grade grand finals you're going through the day you're not doing country footy <laughs> That's right, right. Exactly. Like, you shouldn't you shouldn't know what the A grade grand final result was until you watch the DVD oh that's a <laughs> long wait to find out if you've won the flag though like you know when the um, the kookaburras were waiting um, th- that, that review system oh. for the winner of the gold medal game and the team just sat there was it Denmark I can't remember which team it was and I was standing there just waiting for it felt like the longest probably 60-90 seconds of their lives just waiting Waiting to find out if they won or not. This this could have gone for a couple of days. We haven't heard a resolution. Oh, yeah. oh that was that was insane. That imagine oh, if your game, fun. if your, your premiership gets overturned by a drunk umpire. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's almost that's almost a better story than it's actually winning the flag. Like, yeah. Imagine if you're actually the team that made hey, that the result was all yours. You won the flag, and yes. they just go, "How'd you win?" So well, son, um, <laughs> an umpire had about a slab. <laughs> the league reviewed it, and we won the flag. <laughs> What? <laughs> I wonder what club he was associated with. Which, if he had an association to one of the two, because he couldn't have been an official neutral umpire on the. Oh, on it would have been even better if he was a neutral. Imagine oh. that. He was a like- tinnies, just doing tinnies for the day, and he's a neutral. Like, come on, mate. But yeah, the best part is he failed a breathalyzer. <laughs> what? Oh, that's so they they've done a breathalyzer. They is that have, what he blew? Yeah, yeah. What? The headline literally says review after goal lump fails post game breathalyzer. <laughs> oh, that's worse. <laughs> Oh, no, there's a breath there. That, that is terrific. How drunk do you have to be for them to go, hey, I think, I yeah. think, I, think hey, I don't know about you guys, but I reckon this goal I'm by here, but he needs, he needs to blow. The thing is, the breath oh. aren't exactly easy to come by. Did they ask the cops <laughs> they call, that Yeah, they probably asked the cops yeah. on crowd control. Hey, hey, boys, can you just... <laughs> Man, shit's gone down. We're not sure oh, if he's actually wow. seen shit, clearly. Could have been oh. a, drunk take a drunk take after. Oh, oh my god. I wonder if you remember the next day. <laughs> Hangover was like. Do you remember the result, mate? Nah. <laughs> you decided it. Time for parcel fast. Can we get an ironing board out there on the sideline? Absolutely get- farcical. It's farcical. 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 It's a farce. It ends farcically. The rules are a farce. Farce, farce, farce. What a farce. Absolute farce, that was. That sounds farcical. That was farcical. It's farcical. It was a total farce. It was a bit of a farce. It's a disgrace. All right, with well, Dale not here, I'm running the show, and I'm starting it off with... Um, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, because they are fast-becoming my arch-nemesis. Ooh. I have a number of arch-nemesis, one being the Adelaide Crows, the other being Tottenham Hotspur, and Ooh. third is now Alan Keyes. Alan Keyes. <laughs> Alan Keyes. What? So, Alan Keyes. We, we discussed this a few weeks ago what? of um, Huddo versus Furniture. Yes. Um, this... Continued with um, Hutto versus Gaming Chair. So <laughs> gaming bought, bought a chair. new gaming chair from Officeworks because um, I was sick of using one of the dining chairs as yeah. I've just moved into a new house. And 
needed an allen key to use all this sort of thing and this thing was slippery as all hell it was like it was dipped in oil for the last 10 years and the whole construction of this thing that you have to build a chair upside down that weighs a good about 30 kilos mm. doesn't work really well so my first one boys allen keys pass or farce What's wrong with an Allen key? I reckon they're one of the most helpful little things. You can build anything with it. It's never generally anything great. But you can build, like, the whole thing with one tool. It's fantastic. Pass for an Allen key. Yeah, you're a unique man. I, uh, <laughs> you reckon? I, I, I've, uh, I've used and uh, been successful with Allen keys throughout my whole history. So, you know, <laughs> If you can't nail an Allen key, holy shit. If you can't nail an Allen key, I don't know what you do with the Allen keys. Right, Tigers, yeah, but, no, um, well done. But, um, no, Allen keys are a farce. They are a disgrace. <laughs> and just make something with a drill. What? That's easy. That's easy. Just use a drill. Oh, oh, come on, mate. Oh, disgrace. Um, next one. Lionel Messi um, has left Barcelona after 870 years and um, <laughs> he's now gone to France to play for Paris Saint-Germain, which um, oh, I wonder who's going to win that league. Yeah. Um, so Lionel Messi going to PSG for umpteen billion pounds. Um, pass or fast? The fact that I don't know anything about soccer really, but I know that Messi going there with Mbappe mm. and uh, Neymar Jr. is it means it's cheating. Like, this is how do they they're rorting the salary cap or something? It is unbelievable. I, I'm a, I'm a I'm a purist. I like it when a player is a one club player. So I'm a little bit sad that he's left. But this this is pure cheating. It's a farce. If you've got PSG as your default team for uh, FIFA, yeah. I tell you what, I tell you what, just you're going to win every game from now on. But you're not going to lose. It's, it's unbelievable. So much pace. <laughs> <laughs> Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi. <laughs> that is gross. And oh, not to mention Di Maria and everyone else. Yeah, that is right. just all out. You may as well just play ten up top. Yeah. Just, yeah. Can you forfeit? Can you forfeit? Yeah. Leave the goal. Keeper up top, and he can just do his own thing. <laughs> the tickets are thousands of dollars just to go to a like no, a, a, a resale a, value. That is, yeah, and and that's like seller del- dweller versus PSG. Like if you actually want a PSG versus a decent team, you, I, I don't want to know what ticket prices are for that. But dead set, imagine being in League One and you see that happen. Like, where's the Ralph Wiggum gif of I'm in danger? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's literally what it is. Stop it! They're already dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, Olympians and SA. We spoke about this before, but. Holding our Olympians basically hostage in oh, um, hotel yes. quarantine. Um, so they're going to be chilling for 28 days with medals, maybe no medals, and just having to Zoom journalists. Jeez. <laughs> Pass oh, or fast. Grim. <laughs> oh, this is, a, this, is a, this is a huge farce. Like, we did touch on this before, but mm. like, how, how bad are our, our government to, to not notice that they've done 14 days of quarantine here? Like, yeah. They're quarantined. Yeah. They've been tested every single day for two weeks in Tokyo. I might have They've been act- tested in quarantine three times. Need they do add- not have it. Need to add fully immunised. Oh, and, and yeah. fully immunised. Oh, man. Like, come on. Oh, man. Fast. I'm just going to say, whatever you, what, what yeah. you said, Sam, is exactly right. It's a complete farce. Oh, just just let him in. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, take a page out of Dale's book. Straight in. Yeah, just put it in the <laughs> farce of the year because it should be yeah. up there. Um, the AFL Tribunal and match review officer and the Wheel of Fortune wheel that they have there at AFL House. So we saw Toby Green cop two weeks for um, the old elbow forearm, whatever Paddy the hell he was. Yep. To Paddy Dangerfield. Mm-hmm. And then Joel Selwood um, go past the ball to mm-hmm. bump a Giants opponent, um, get a fine. So the way the Tribunal sits in the MRO, pass or farce? I think I'm really I'm really frustrated with that, and I've talked about this before. But how it's all about the outcome and not about the action. Yeah. This is where the lines get blurred again. It's got nothing to do with what 
Toby Green did or any of the players, it's more about what injury has been caused due to some sort of action that has been done. I, I just, I'm sick of how that is the case and we need to overturn that. It needs to be flipped. Yeah, we've, we've spent whole segments on this very yeah. topic. It's probably too big for a pass or fast, but it's a complete farce. It's, yeah, you, like you mentioned, Sam, it's, it's not about the injuries, it's about the actions, and, and that's what it comes down to. So, yeah, it's a complete farce. Absolutely. And um, sticking with the AFL theme, Matt Crouch, will he be at uh, the Crom next year, pass Ooh. or fast? Uh, no, I, I've lost the faith in him staying purely based on um, the fact he's injured himself again. He won't play for the rest of the season. This thing that happened in the sample where Tech spoke to him and now he's embroiled in the middle of it, um, I think he's going to get... There's a little bit of pile-on on him as well and he'll be feeling that. And he's just... I reckon this is the straw that breaks the camel's back for mine. He's He's been through enough awful awful stuff through that club's time where he just wants a refresh start mm. his brother's done it in Victoria he can do it as well and it sounds like North Melbourne have uh, have got a little bit of cash to float and might just throw it his way I'd like to see how much he'd be uh, paying to, to meet up with Brad over at the Saints so mm. if Sportsbet well, had a market on that I might yeah. throw a couple of bucks can I just say why don't the Crow uh, he's a restricted free agent So is he a restricted or unrestricted mm. free agent restricted so could yeah. we get pick one for him a trade with North Melbourne could oh. you do Oh my that? God. Pick if, one. Yeah, come on. If North Melbourne do that, <laughs> look, I don't even need to come on. I didn't even need to say how the rest of the We'll sentence. have one and two. We'll have we'll we'll get come on. Come on. That is, come that on. Is, that, that's, that's a that's farce. Shit, that's a shit take. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, something. Now, I want to lie to know, and we'll we'll pardon whatever Tuggers just did. Um <laughs> trying to get into places wearing your Olympic gold. Um so we've seen a photo of um just American basketballers just flexing bas- um, their Olympic gold wherever they Whoa. please. Um, no, this wasn't a basketball. It was just an athlete oh, just, just an at athlete. a basketball oh. game dangling his gold medal. Oh, dear. Oh, now that's a flex. Like, that's a farce. It's farce. <laughs> it's a farce. <laughs> farce <laughs> flex. I tell you what, you'd be an absolute hero if you rolled up to a nightclub one night and, uh, and uh, say, hey, mate, I just want to get a few of my mates and you go, oh, who are you? And you just wheel out the, the gold, <laughs> Tokyo gold medal and they just say, in you come. <laughs> oh, you would. You just push in front of everyone, just get under yeah, the I'd, I'd have it in my back pocket all the time. It's just, you've, it's almost like the keys of the city. You know, you know what that trumps, though? It trumps you, Jace Kim, walking up to the front of Red Square one time and saying, Don't you know who I am? <laughs> that gets you in at least the gold medal. That's right. What? Oh my God. You pulled a nose. Oh, this, is, this is an old yarn that came out about a year ago on this show. <laughs> oh, God, it's funny. Goodness me. That's something. Um, yeah, that's a massive pass. I, like, I don't understand when people say, yeah, i got my Brownlow medal in my sock drawer. I'm just like, bullshit, I'd wear that every day. <laughs> I don't care if I want it in the 20s, I'd wear it every day. Uh, oh, now, last one. Now, this is amazing. This is the highlight of the year. Highlight of 2021 until Port Adelaide wins the premiership. Oh, my goodness. In a biscuit is back. <laughs> What? I did not see this coming. Inner Biscuit is back. Dixie Drumsticks and the little chicken oh flavoured friends word. are now back in stock and it is amazing. <laughs> oh, Jace. So, Inner Biscuit me. returning. Pass oh, shit or takes. Fast. I thought we were skipping shit takes as well. So, you've thrown food into pass or fast. <laughs> um, it's yeah, like a plague. No, Inner, Inner Biscuit's good. I think it's a pass. <laughs> I don't care. Are you, yeah, oh. that Dixie Drumsticks are back, Kempy. Did you never have one? I don't them? think I've ever had one. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever had one. Oh, that's that's there crazy. You go. Well, maybe you can bring some in and I'll... Uh, 
And well, you miss the um, you miss the nachos oh. with that. Uh, what would what do we have again? Salt and vinegar, salt and chips, nacho. What dip. was the outcome? Very good. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. bad. Very well received. Well, and then we tried barbecue cheeseburger oh, yes. flavored shapes with well, the dip what as well. They like? Very good. Yeah, oh, not too very bad. good. Yeah, yeah, not okay. bad. Well, I'll have to try these ones. Or I'm keen to keen to keen to taste. Oh, Dixie drumsticks are back. That is the godsend. But that is well, all we, we have for pass or far. Sorry, Dale. I have infested <laughs> your uh, infested your segment with more food tags. Ah, uh, like it. I like it. Hey, that's the end of a very long press box episode this week. Hopefully, you enjoyed Andrew Gaze. What an absolute star. Um, we we just love him, and I'm sure we'll be back on the show again at some point soon. But and, he's a ripper. And a shout out to our man Dale Fletcher. We yes. hope you get. Well made, and, yep. uh, yes. Yeah. Not too well at the moment, so uh, he'll get he'll be get back up to full health, and he'll be back back here on the press box very very soon. But boys, good to see you as per usual, hmm? and uh, we'll see you all next week. See you then. See you.